Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So we started this year out with a verse. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. And we're going to take all year to try to understand what that actually means. And we're taking it in different directions. We're looking at it from different angles. And we start to understand what that means to be meek and what that means to inherit the earth. We will also learn more and more about the radical self-awareness and self-humility, self-honesty, self-reliability. And last week, Paul Hasselbeck introduced the word reliance, so it's very similar, self-reliance and radical self-responsibility. So we're using this as a starting point And then Sunday after Sunday, we're going to start building upon it, start building on how we can actually become aware. How can we be humble? How can we be honest? How can we be reliable and responsible? So then today, the talk title is When All Else Fails, but then what, you might ask. Well, here's a couple of examples. When all else fails, smile, right? Smile like a baby. Or start running. When all else fails, that's my favorite, just take a nap. (laughs) That's actually true. When it's too much, it just says, Elaine, I go and take a nap. And usually when I get up, the world looks quite different. When all else fails, take a bath. When all else fails, lower your standards. (laughs) That's one way of doing it. When all else fails, complicate matters. (laughs) Get distracted, right? Or dress beautifully and throw your food. I don't know where that is coming from. I have no idea, but when I saw it, I had to put it in. And when all else fares, that's from Conan O'Brien, there's always delusion. We can always kid ourselves, and we're laughing about this right now, but unfortunately, that's more often the case than not. When all else fails, my personal favorite, hug a cat, and all for your dog lovers, Hug the dog, right? No one is left out. When all else fares, for all IKEA buyers, read the instructions. So what? When when all else fails, then what? Really? Really? Prayer succeeds when all else fails. Now we're getting a little deeper. 
which leads us to the five principles, right? Because when we are thinking of the five principles, we say, as one of them, I pray, which is the one about the tools. I pray, I meditate, I use denials and affirmations. But we start with God is, I am, I think, and I like to add and feel, right? Law of mind action. I pray and then I do, because without the doing, what are we doing here? Okay. The problem, though, is, as you can see with all these examples, they're often just focused on the last three of our five principles. In fact, I actually like what Reverend Kelly Isola once told me, is when she looks at the five principles, she only considers the first two to be actual principles. The other three are practices, because they're clearly in the outer realm, they're clearly in our world. We have to think differently, feel differently, we have to practice, we have to do something. But the first two are principles, and yet our focus is so much on the outside and so much on the practices, which on one hand is important, but on the other hand, if we forget the first two, and I don't know if you can read it, but it's very small. When all else fails, what often happens is we lose a lot of attention and our awareness to the first two. I am, God is, and I am. And so instead, we could ask ourselves, well, what's the problem? Not instead, but when we do that, we can ask ourselves, What's the problem with that? Why shouldn't we think in these ways in the outer world about our practices and what, why shouldn't we change that? Why shouldn't we look at it? Why should we look at the first two first? And so I want to draw something for you. Try to exp explain that and illustrate that. Anyone familiar with biorhythm? Right, 80s, I think, 70s, when did it start? Maybe 60s even, okay? So you're familiar with this curve, right? It goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And guess what? In our lives, our happiness, our highs and lows just work exactly like that, okay? So we have up here the highs, we have down here the lows, and so on, right? Makes sense so far? And, and just as a biorhythm, it seems like, and when you're really looking at your life at different lengths of time, it seems like that you're going from high to low to high to low, don't you? I mean, if you look at, for example, the, the length, the longest length from birth to right now, you can probably look at your life in a, in a big scale and you can see there were years that were quite high and there were years that were very low. But you can even shorten the time period. You can look at it over a year or two years. You know, for example, as COVID arrived, COVID until now, you can look at highs and lows. It wasn't just all low, wasn't it? Didn't you experience highs in between too? Right? You can even look at it on a daily basis, on a whole day, or even today as you got up this morning, from the moment you woke up until right now, you probably, if you looked at it, you would see 
the highs and lows. They may not be as pronounced and not as big, but they, they are definitely there. So what the interesting thing is about this whole human realm, which is really what I'm trying to illustrate here, is that when we are at the highest and we are at the lowest, we become very narrow-minded. We put blinders on. Just as the valley, you know, as you go to the valley, it becomes at some point very narrow at the bottom. And on the peak of a mountain, it becomes very narrow. And that's really the same thing with our awareness. As we are in the highest high, we may sometimes actually become very narrow-minded, narrow-focused. And as we are low in the lows, it's exactly the same way. For example, you know, many years ago, when I lived in the ashram and Elaine came along, um, and we started going out, you know, I was like clearly in that high, right? First love, you know, real big love and all that. Remember that? Remember that love? You could do whatever, it didn't matter, right? You could step and stump your toe and it could hurt like nothing else, but it just didn't matter, right? Because your focus was on the love. It didn't matter what I did. I was walking around, was it the sandals? in shorts, in deep winter, in the smoky mountains, and there was like two or three feet of snow, and if you don't believe it, you can ask Elaine after service. And I did, and it didn't matter. I was in that high. But there were years where I was really in a low, moments of such lowness, such low belief in myself, a low esteem of myself, that everything that happened was not a good thing. I started criticizing everything. I started looking at everything critically. I started to rip it apart to, you know, at the greatest degree because I only saw the lowness through which I saw. And that is life, isn't it? When we are critical about things, then it actually helps us to investigate, well, may I be somewhere along a lower line of my biorhythm? If everything is all hunky-dory, we may be up here at the high. But what is for certain is that it always changes. And when all else fails, we may be at any of those points we may be ripped down from the peak of the high, down into the low in an instant moment. We may already be in a very low, and we get pushed even further down because that's just how life is. But then there is a constant that is beneath everything. A constant that is described by many religions in many different ways. In Christianity, in Judaism, we use the word God. In other religions as well. In Islam, we use the word Allah. In Hinduism, we use the word Brahman. In unity, we use many different words. We use God, but also principle. 
infinite potential and possibility. But it all refers to the same thing. It's that constant that never changes. That which is the important factor to look at for today. When all else fails, then when we work backwards from the five, five principles back to the first two, the five, the three last practices back to the first two, when all else fails, we need to remember that in the end, we are not only the human realm, but we're also the spirit at the same time. So then, we have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity to change that. We have an opportunity to actually start looking at the first two principles first and foremost, which is really what I wanted to talk about today, is to say, yeah, of course we have a way to smile when all out fails or run away or make it more complicated and so on. But in the end, what we really should look at is the basics, the very basics. So we need to work, work our way backwards from our doing, even from our tools, from our prayers and meditations, from our practice of dinas and affirmations, back to even our thinking and feeling and even going further back to bring the first two, the awareness of God and our oneness with that, forward. I have a little story, and it's so fascinating that whenever I prepare for a, a message or a sermon, I get the gift of um, an experience in my life. Yesterday morning, when I got up, I checked my emails, and I saw that all the thermostats in this building were, uh, and all the other buildings were offline. And I said, how curious. So I sent an email to Ben, our, the uh, facilities manager, and he said, hey, what's going on here? Did anything happen? Because we had some repairs done on the building and the heating and everything. And um, later on, he was here and realized that part of the building, the power was out, but only part. And he was, you know, kind of running around, and then I joined, and... We both were looking for all the breaker boxes because naturally that's where you go and look, right? Is there, any, is there a breaker that's being tripped or whatever? You wouldn't believe how many breaker boxes we have in this building. <laughs> I now know more about this building in like two or three hours I was here than in the past two years I was, I was here because I got to see where the baptismal is and how we turn it on and where the phone line's on and everything. So we looked through the entire building, but nothing helped. Nothing helped. And then Eldon came along. Eldon, as you know, you know, has done so much for our community, has helped with the live stream and for years, all electrical stuff and everything. So he came along and had this trusty voltmeter, and he said, well, let's go back to basics. And he started pulling those... Uh, boxes apart, started measuring and measuring and measuring, and all of a sudden, one main line, one main phase, it's called, had no power at all. 
to one of the main breaker boxes. Visually, we couldn't see it. From the outside, we had no idea. All the breakers looked good. We even went outside and looked at the big breaker boxes. You know, when it comes in from the line, they all looked good. We tripped everything, we put back, and nothing helped. But we had to go back to basics and say, well, where is it that we actually lost power? And once we realized we lost power, and I naturally say we, because I like to include myself, <laughs> but uh, to look good, because in the end, all I was doing was standing around and looked stupid. It was really Eldon, you know, <laughs> that, that figured it out. And we looked at it, and then he said, boom, 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 to that old, that old uh, big, big um, circuit breaker, and voila, we are back up and running. If that didn't happen yesterday, if Eldon didn't, didn't show up and, and said, let's go back to basics, let's measure, let's see if we really have power where we need it, at the very core, at the I am, at where the energy is supposed to come, where the substance is to be available for us, you know what today will be like? It will become like a candlelight service without live stream. Okay. So, I love this because it really illustrates in a very real example how when we are in a situation where all else seems to fail, when we are running around the building looking at all the breaker boxes and all the breakers and everything looks okay, that sometimes we have to stop and breathe and go back to basics. And that is when we look at the five principles and go back to one and two. So, there are a couple of memes I found on this particular subject. Your light will shine when all else fails. That's a different perspective, isn't it? When all else fails and we take a moment and go within, we will find the light that's already shining. Or, when all else fails, God doesn't. That's from one of David's psalms that says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, my, my portion, something that was supposed to there. Some, what was it supposed to be? Portion? Don't have no idea. So, <laughs> my heart and my portion forever. Just put in whatever you want. The point is that God is our spiritual core. And that is all there is to it. That's the first principle. God is our spiritual core. It's like that phase that comes into your breaker box, and the breaker box that could look all right, but as long as the phase doesn't have any power, then we are still to see and find where that God source is. God's source is always available. That spiritual source is always here, and we just have to find it. For example, Eric Butterworth, you know this from last week. It's the same quote I'm using here. Eric Butterworth says, God is spirit, present in its entirety at every point in space and time. There's no definition to God at all. We need to let go of any definition of God because he cannot be described. Myrtle Fillmore, 
There you go. Myrtle Fillmore says God is spirit, present in the entirety, entirely at every point in space and time. Oh, that's Butterworth. God is it, neither male or female, but principle. And then Charles, a bit more cryptic, by the term God-mind, we mean God, the universal principle, which includes all principle. So we must understand what God is, and there's different understandings of what that looks like. Now, in unity, I always emphasize one thing. All are welcome. Meaning that whatever your God idea is, you are welcome. But unity teaches very clearly a different kind of God. A different God that most of us have got to know when we grew up, especially in Christianity. A different God that is no longer outside of ourselves. A different God that is no longer here for us to relinquish our responsibility. It's clearly a different way of looking at it. Now, whether or not you can accept that or not does not matter. That's the beauty about unity. Unity doesn't have a dogma to tell you this is what you need to believe. We simply offer that type of belief system, and it works for you or it doesn't. When we look at scripture, we have hints of that idea, of the second principle. We know that God is one. God is omnipresence. We know that God is, and that's all there is to it. But then how we relate to that, in Jesus' words, is the God, the Father, and I are one. If Jesus lived today, he probably would say the Father, Mother, and I are, gone, are one, or the Father, Mother, Principle are one. Okay? It's just the language that we need to understand. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Very clearly is it said in Scripture already that there is no separation whatsoever. There is no God outside of ourselves that is separate from the God that's inside of ourselves. And if the God inside of ourselves is the same as the one outside, then logically there cannot be any separation except the one we project. Now, you got to ask yourself, well, what about other belief systems? Hinduism is often understood as polytheistic. Polytheistic means believing in multiple gods. But what many don't know is that actually in Hinduism, there is a belief in a supreme being that is called Brahman. And that supreme being is the formless form of God. But in Hinduism, there is this tradition of worshiping the expressions of that formlessness in forms of the gods and goddesses like Savitri or Sarisvati or Krishna or Hanuman, all these different expressions. In a ways, Hinduism sees it actually very similar to unity. We would all be gods and goddesses. We would be an expression of the same Brahman. In Sikhism, God is indescribable, yet knowable and perceivable. 
But what we must do is we must study it. We must actually take the time and sit down and learn about what God is. So also an indication of something that we promote, prayer and meditation. Get to know God. Because you can know God because you are perfectly one with that. Buddhism is a little trickier, isn't it? Buddhism has no concept of God. At least Buddha, as um, the stories and the scriptures are telling us, was really silent on the topic. Didn't really say anything. And some say the reason why he did that is because he didn't want people to get distracted by some supernatural kind of phenomena and just focus on practice. Focus on the attainable rather than what is not explained. And finally, unity is kind of a mix of everything. Unity has no concept of God as creator, which is the theistic traditional model that doesn't exist in unity. Again, if you have that belief, you're still welcome in unity. I want to stress that. There's no reason to separate. But from the unity core teachings, there's really no belief in God as creator, at least not in the traditional sense. Unity looks at formlessness of God, Brahman, attainable, awareness of oneness, a very emphasis on let's attain this, let's actually be one, let's be enlightened, let's be awakened, let's understand who and what we are before we do anything in this world. And then finally dedicating the time and energy to know and perceive what that is. So you can see that we have a plethora of different religions, and there's many, many more that share similar ideas and allow us to then expand a little bit more what that could be. So then God is a spiritual core, and that's all there is to it, first principle again. But then there's the God as the spiritual core, which also the I am. And guess what, who the I am is? Any guesses? We are, right? And, the I, and I am that, the second principle. So then we can affirm together, I am my spiritual core. Let's say this together, I am my spiritual core. Okay, I was too fast on that. So one, two, three. I am my spiritual core. We are that. Before we move into our practices, before we do anything in life, scripture, teachers, everything we can read about this subject tells us we must first learn that that is truth, that we are that. A big truth, isn't it? So then we can say, when all else fails, God doesn't, and I am not either. So when God doesn't fail, when all else fails and God doesn't, and we are God, we are a co-creator, we are one with God, then we cannot fail either. Isn't that interesting? So consequently, we can never fail God. We can never fail ourselves. And then we could say, 
I am a spiritual core again, or extended to another affirmation, I never fail my spiritual core. Let's say this together. I never fail my spiritual core. I invite you to take this affirmation at home for one reason, because when we are in this point when we think that everything falls apart, it's often very hard to remember who we are. But to have an affirmation like that and remember that we are the spiritual core already, and we affirm to ourselves that I never fail my spiritual core can be helpful and important for our spiritual growth. All right, let's breathe. That was a lot, right? But it's important for us to build that foundation and start to be comfortable with it. And again, it does not matter what belief system you have right now. I am not challenging you on your belief system. In fact, I'm encouraging you to be with your belief system. Maybe consider what unity has to offer and see if there is some room for flexibility. And if not, that's okay, because it's more important that you follow your beliefs and follow your path than some outside dogma that's given to you or even outside, even if it's from a good heart. It's important that you follow what's within you. We're only here to give you an alternative if that is suitable. So then finally, we can say in summary, after all these complex stuff, God is principle, an infinite field of potential, and possibility. That's how unity defines God. And we are that. How simple is that? Right? Very beautiful, I think. And then, consequently, as principle and infinite field of potential and possibility, God is actually passive. If you think of potential, it cannot be active, can it? Because it's just potential. If you think of principle, it cannot be active. Paul was talking about that last week. Principle, by definition, is potential, is opportunity. And therefore, we must be God activity. So thinking it in those terms means that when all else fails, guess who has to move the feet? Everyone else but us, right? Yeah. We must move to feed. God is infinite field of potential and possibility. God is. We tap into that in every moment of our lives, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we have good thoughts or bad thoughts or not, doesn't matter. We're creating machines. We're powerful creating machines. And moment to moment, moment for moment, we are becoming the activity of God. This is actually reflected in a discourse that Jesus gave on his own death when he was talking about his disciples. And out in this discourse, there's a small, very small passage where he says, I do nothing on my own. Because he understood that he cannot be alone ever. 
God is always with him. God is always with us. The potential is always with us. Principle is always with us. Whatever you name it, Allah, universe, nature, it's always with you. But you do nothing on your own, but you do something that is powerful. So then we must remember that God can never fail us, and we can never fail God, because God is, and we are that. As simple as that. And we must do so that God is fulfilled for us to remember when all else fails, we never will. So let us take that into meditation for today. And I want to invite you to take your bears. And if it's comfortable, just place them on your lap or maybe hold them like this on your heart. Let us just begin with this idea that when all else fails, we never will. And as we breathe into that, let us check in with our hearts and minds and see what we feel, how we feel about that, what thoughts are coming up. What does it feel like to know that we can never fail, even when all else does? So bring about the love that you know you can muster. Remember the loves that you have in your life at the very point of highs where nothing else mattered. And remember that love and bring it up right here into your consciousness and allow that love to flow throughout your body. into your next, into your neighbor, your friend, your family member, your partner. And if you have so, in your bear. Allow that love to grow, knowing that love is all there is. Many of us would describe God as love. And because God is and we are that, love is and we are that also. Remember that 
in moments of challenges and struggles and loneliness. That even if you may seem to be alone, you most likely are not. There's always a friend. There's always someone to rely on. And if all else fails, remember that you never will. Again, if you have a bear with you or if you are online and have already imagined the bear that you are giving, allow your energy to become one. Allow that bear to share your consciousness right here, right now, all our consciousness. The one of oneness, the one of love, the one of forgiveness, the one of perfect health and wholeness as we prepare, prepare those bears to be handed over to the children. Every moment of our lives, we can remember. Remember that it's impossible for us to fail, to be our spiritual core. And for that awareness, whatever we do must be inspired by God, by us as God, by us expressing God, by us allowing God, whatever feels comfortable for us. So as we close for our meditation today, we breathe once again in to the idea that God is, and we are simply that. We are individuality and totality at the same time. We're unique and collectively speaking, a community of oneness at the same time. And since God is beyond time and space, we allow our gratitude to travel accordingly. Let us bring all those to mind that have served this community throughout the years and embrace everyone who is serving right now 
as we say thank you in the name and nature of not only Jesus Christ, but our Christ. And that we believe, and so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.